So five years ago, five or six years ago, I went to the Philippines. I went to the Philippines on a trip. I never thought I would get the chance to go. I'm part Filipino, by the way. Any Filipinos in the house? Mabuhay. Um, I'm part Filipino, and I got to go visit the homeland, right? So um, I got to go with a group of pastors um, from this island, and Compassion International paid for us to go. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but you get a lot of mail that comes through your mailbox or emails or whatever, and you hear about all these different um, helpful humanitarian organizations that you can sponsor kids and you can help out in other third world countries and things like that. And there's so many of them that I don't ever know which one I want to actually invest in because it's like what, what do they do with the money where does it really go can I trust it like are the are those kids really getting helped or are they just like a face on a commercial and that kid is actually like 42 years old and that's like an old photo like you know what I mean like I'm skeptical anybody like me skeptical you just you, I mean you want to spend money and invest wisely so compassion said we'll pay for you and a bunch of pastors to go to the Philippines and just view what we do, then the rest is up to you to decide. And I went, I just thought, free trip to the Philippines, sure. So I went, and um, what I saw over there changed my life, changed the course of history for our church. Because I saw that this is an organization that is absolutely integrous. Number one, they show you all the open books, everything, where all your money is going to, what it pays for. They actually introduce you to kids that are in the projects, the Compassion Project. Each Compassion Project is only run through a local church. So there's a lot of places that like meet the needs, but they don't give them Jesus. And I'd like to, I'd like to invest in something that's not just giving someone food, and then they still end up not going to heaven. I want to invest in eternal investment. You guys know what I'm talking about? So I love the Jesus aspect of it, but I went and I saw it all, and I saw the workers, and I saw the uh, integrity, and, and just the love that they had, and where all of my $38 a month is going into the lives of the kid. They're releasing kids from poverty. They're giving them food and nutrition. They're giving them, helping them get into schools and stay in schools for education. Um, and then most importantly, they're giving them Jesus everywhere that they go. So they're meeting the total package of what's going on. And I was I was wrecked for life. I'm like, I saw this. I saw people in extreme poverty. Compassion only goes to countries around the world that are well below the poverty line, like the the worst places. And I went and I saw the love that they have for people that are living in conditions that you and I would, there's no possible way you'd even want to spend one night in some of these kids' homes and what's going on. And I just thought, look at what the love of Jesus is doing in these kids' lives. How can my church not do something? How can I not do something about it after I've seen that? That's what I want to be a part of. So I came back to the church. We've been bringing in compassion speakers, and I told you guys about it. People have gone on mission trips over there. We have a huge compassion wall back there. And to date, it's been about five years we've been doing this. We've, we as a church have sponsored uh, 1,347 kids through Compassion International. That's cool. And this is Compassion Weekend, and as of Friday night, you guys, Friday night service, sponsored 50 more. 7 a.m. service sponsored 13 more. And we're just going to see what God does at this service and the next one, and even at our youth service tonight. Um, we're just trying to, to be Jesus in this world. And so, really, I just wanted to introduce Compassion Weekend. And we've got an amazing speaker because I could speak about it all day long, but you're going to hear it from someone who actually lived it and received the sponsorship and where she's at today. Would you guys welcome with me Amor Chung? Would you welcome Amor? Good morning, everyone. You all look good today. <laughs> it's such a delight to see lots of beautiful smiles today. Um, 
First of all, thank you for inviting me here. It is always my honor to share with you my story, a story that God is really beautifully writing to show his love and grace through compassion. Um, recently, I started reading a book by Gary Chapman, and he titled his book, Love is a Verb. And um, as I was reflecting on the title of it, I kept on asking myself, um, Amor, how far would you go to show your love? Because, you know, I've heard lots of phrases like, love is not just a feeling, it is a choice. But then Chapman pushed it a little bit further by saying, love should be more than something we feel. It should be something that we do. So I, that's why I kept on asking myself, how far would you go to show your love? And I would like to invite all of you to, to reflect on that with me as I share to you my story. How far would you go to share your love? And today, I would also like to share with you two reasons why we should love. I was raised in Davao. It's a city in the southern, south, southern part of the Philippines. And my family lived a very simple life. My father was a taxi driver and my, my mother was a wonderful homemaker. As a taxi driver in the Philippines, my father did not earn that much for the family. On a good day, he would come home with $5 in his pocket, and that rarely happens. Those, that $5 is sometimes even barely enough to provide for our family's basic needs. But as a little girl, I did not know that we were poor. Because, you know, children only believe what you tell them to believe. And my parents really tried their best to provide for us. And my mom even told me, Amor, you could be anything that you want to be. So I was a dreamer when I was young. I thought that I was just like every child you see playing on the streets. I, I played, I laughed, I scraped my knees and I cried. I enjoyed my childhood so much. I, um, I was a very happy kid until I realized and I noticed that I was different from my friends. Unlike me, they did not have to go to school wearing the same clothes three times a week because I did not have a lot of clothes to choose from. Unlike me, they did not have to go to school wearing torn black shoes opened like this, wrapped by their fathers with black electrical tape to make it presentable. I cried many times in embarrassment. Every time I tell my teachers that I could not submit my projects on time, because my mother did not have $2 to buy the materials that I needed. One of the events that I will never forget, my mother had to go out to look for somebody who could lend us money. So my sister and I were left with my father at home without anything to eat. To feed our hungry stomachs, my father decided to make porridge for my sister and I, made with only three ingredients and the only ingredients we had at home. Rice from yesterday, salt and water. And as I was eating my meal for the day, I just couldn't help but cry because that was the first time I finally told myself, Amor, you are, you're really poor. My, my mother came home that night and even with a little money in her pocket, she did not look happy. In fact, she looked very defeated. Faced with challenges like poverty, a lot of people let go of the hope of living a life that matters. A lot of people let go of the hope that someday somebody will care for them, that, somebody, that someday somebody would love them. And I was 
very close at letting go of that hope myself. Poverty chained me and inhibited me from running so fast. But just before poverty claimed victory over my life, hope gently knocked. I was registered in compassion when I was six, and there I learned that I am loved. Compassion helped me and my family in so many ways. They fed me nutritious food, they taught me how to be socially healthy, and they even provided for the materials that I needed at school, including school uniform and brand new pair of black shoes. <laughs> but on top of all of these, the thing that I value the most is the Bible that I received when I was eight. That was my first Bible. And that Bible taught me what Jesus Christ did for me, how he came down from his throne, went through all of those pains and suffering, endured the cross and overcame the grave to save my soul. A poor girl who had nothing to give in return, a very little speck in this world. When I learned about what God did, I just kept on wondering why God had to give his child. Why did he have to, to sacrifice Jesus? He could have just used his words and say, you know, if you believe in me, you could go to heaven and spend eternity with me. But he did not. I, I searched for answers. I asked my pastors. I asked my teachers. And finally, one day, I learned about this wonderful truth. In Romans 5.8, it says... Christ died for us while we were still sinners, and by this, God showed how much he loves us. That is the first reason why we should love. We love because we first received love. And God showed it to us in the most extravagant way possible, by sending his only begotten son to save our souls. God wanted to show his love, and that's how we should love. We should show it. In the Bible, James said, faith without deed is dead. And I realized so is love. Love without action is nothing but a word. When I learned about God's love, when I learned about how much he cares for me, my life changed immediately. Because knowing that the God is the God whose words created the universe is the same God who loves me and cares for me so much. Even without any riches in this world, I realize that I'm not really poor because I have him. As if that truth is not enough, God showed me more of his love by sending three people thousands of miles from me. And these three people showed me the love that transcends race, transcends cultures, distance, and even languages. These three people showed me the love that I did not know I will ever receive from a stranger who've never met me even once. My first sponsor was this young man from Australia. His name is Aaron. Aaron sponsored me from when I was six until I turned 16. He sponsored me for 10 years and he never let me go. He never canceled on me. That is love in action. After finishing the primary program of Compassion, I went on and became one of their leadership development program students. And there I was sponsored by a couple from Hawaii, Kahu Kurt and Rebecca. 
Kurt and Rebecca showed me not only their faith and their hopes, they showed me how to be a part of the family. They welcomed me into their family. They even called me their fourth daughter. In 2016, I met them for the first time. And this meeting, I thought I, would, I, I, thought I was gonna cry and be very emotional, but in fact, I was so happy. We were laughing so much. We were just fellowshipping as if I met my parents that I haven't met for, the, for a very long time. That is love in action. The love that these three people showed me encouraged me so much that I started wanting to become compassion sponsor even before I graduated from college. How would I do that? I did not know. I was also poor. I had nothing. I had no money to give, not even $38. But all I know is I wanted to pass the love that was given to me, the love that I received not only from Christ, but even from my sponsors. I wanted to give that to somebody who really needs it and hope that that somebody who receives my love will also give the love that I gave them to somebody else. Years after I graduated from Compassion, lots of things happened. I worked for Compassion Philippines, and there I met my husband, Brian, who worked for Compassion Korea. I moved to Korea with him, lived there for a year and a half, and then we moved to California to live with his family, and finally God has called us to minister in one of the Korean churches in this island. Now I support my husband as he pastors the youth and young adults ministry in, in a, a Korean church in Manoa. A lot of things have happened in my family too. My sister, who's two years younger than me, who was also sponsored through Compassion, is now a senior accountant in one of the pallet, um, in one of the pallet companies in the Philippines. My parents now have better trust in God's sovereignty because they've seen it themselves. You know all those heartaches that my parents had, all those sleepless nights, all those fights that they had, all those tears that they shed. The hope that they almost lost that, you know, for their daughters to have a better life. But God actually um, showed to them that he really works everything for the good of those who trust in him. You know, when you love generously, just like what my sponsors did, later on you will see unbelievable rewards. And sometimes the care that we show to our compassion children does not only touch that child, but it even ripples to, its fam to his family, to his community, and even to his country. And believe me, there are already compassion graduates who are now serving as senators for their country. You not only affect a person, you're affecting a family, a community, and even a country. My journey with compassion did not end after I finished their programs. Because of their obedience to follow God's command to love others, my sponsors inspired me to show my love to others too. God granted my desire to be a compassion sponsor, not only to one child, but to five children. Four of them are from Philippines and one of them is from India. Two of them, actually God gave us an opportunity to meet all of them. We've been to their homes, we've met their families, we've, we've been to their churches and worshiped with them. Two of them have already graduated. Our oldest is Rick. My husband, Brian, met Rick when he was 10, 
and um, Rick was hosting the visitors there. My husband was one of them. And immediately, Brian noticed how witty and how smart Rick was. So he started a communication with Rick, and, and right away he learned that Rick already had two sponsors canceled on him at age 10. And Rick almost uh, lost the hope that he's going to have a genuine relationship with his sponsors. Brian decided to sponsor Rick, and we were set into sponsoring him until he no longer needs us. Rick made us so proud of him. He got a scholarship in one of the top universities in the Philippines, and in 2017, he became one of the student leaders in their university, and he grew up to be this really handsome young man. <laughs> Earlier this year, we got the news that Rick just got his bachelor's degree in biology with the hope of going into medical school someday. Our second graduate is Shira. She was sponsored when she was five. Shira, even, even since she was five, she wanted to be a teacher. And now, Shira is on her way into getting her bachelor's degree in education, and eventually she will reach her dream of becoming a teacher. Right now, we are sponsoring two children. Our, young, our oldest is Angel Babes. Angel was four when she was sponsored. That's Angel right there. Um, she was a very shy little girl. She was very timid. She couldn't even look at Brian eye to eye. But God transformed her from this shy, timid girl to this lovely, beautiful, young, confident lady. And by this time next year, Angel will be receiving her bachelor's degree in psychology. We are so excited for her. Our youngest is John Simon. Now, John Simon <laughs> looks very happy in this picture. But actually, during this time, Brian met him at the hospital. John Simon was pale and blue when, when Brian met him because he was fighting this heart disease that he had. He almost died from this very bad heart condition, but because of compassion, he was able to see good heart doctors, and now John Simon is as healthy as he could be. Now, I have a lot of, ex I have a lot of excitement for John Simon because God does not give you another chance in life without any reason. And I am so excited to see him 10, 20 years from now because I know that God will make him into a man who will honor him and glorify him. And we are so excited for him. Now, our only non-Filipino child, her name is Hepsi. And Hepsi has a very special story. And I would like to end my sharing time with you with Hepsi's story because Hepsi, she knew what it takes or what it was like to give love. My husband went to Southern India for a compassion trip in 2012. And they went to this church two hours from Velour, India. And so when they arrived at the church, everybody was so happy, not just the church people, but even the community, because not a lot of people go all the way up to the mountain to visit their village. All the children were so, were so excited to play with the visitors, but there was one girl who was really outstanding. Her name was Dana Lakshmi, and we call her by her nickname, Hepsi. 
um, Hepsi really liked my husband. So everywhere my husband goes, she would follow. She would walk alongside my husband, and then once in a while, she would look at my husband and give him this really huge smile. And, um, but other than that, there's one thing that Hepsi was doing that my husband really found odd. She would carry a baby with her, and like, just like this, she would carry a baby, she would go up to my husband and smile, and she would call my husband and say, Uncle Brian, his name is so-and-so, he's also poor. 30 minutes later, she would be carrying another baby saying, Uncle Brian, her name is so-and-so, she is also poor. An hour later, she would be holding a toddler, calling my husband again saying, Uncle Brian, her name is so-and-so and she is also poor. She did that for the whole duration of the visit. Now, my husband learned about Hepsi's story and it goes like this. Hepsi's story is, a, is very special. You see, Hepsi was picked from a dumpster. And one thing that you need to know about Hepsi's community, her community was very exclusive. That means they don't welcome outsiders. Unfortunately, Hepsi was picked from a dumpster from another town. Everybody was furious. Everybody was so angry. They wanted Hepsi out from their community. But I'm so glad that Hepsi's dad decided to adopt Hepsi, even at the expense of them being excommunicated, being shunned, being no longer identified as part of the community. Although Hepsi was loved by her parents so much, growing up was not easy for her. She did not have friends to play with. She did not have anyone to call uncles and aunties. She if people ever even look at him, look at her, they would look at her as if she's a mistake, as if she's an outsider. She lived a very lonely life. But don't we all know that our God is the God who redeems? Compassion partnered with the only Christian church in that community, and Hepsi was registered as one of the Compassion children. And for the first time, in years, Hepsi received a hug from a stranger. She was loved by her teachers. She was loved by her pastors. She found friends. And most of all, she learned about the person who loves her unconditionally. She learned about Jesus Christ. When my husband heard that story, everything that Hepsi did that day made more sense. You know, she could have just gone to my husband and say, Uncle Brian, my name is Hepsi. I don't have a sponsor. Could you find somebody who could sponsor me? She could have just done that. But instead, she was carrying babies with her because she knew that those babies needed love. She knew that those babies needed care. She did that because she knew how it felt to be lonely. She knew how it was like to be unheard to be unwanted. She knew how it was like to be a nobody. You see, compassion was derived from Latin, from Latin words come, meaning together, and pati or pasio, meaning to suffer. To suffer with somebody else, to feel somebody else's pain, with a desire to help. Compassion is love in action. And that's what Hepsi showed us. When I heard about Hepsi's story, 
I fell in love with her right away. And God blessed us um, the opportunity to visit them in 2015. Finally, I met Hepsi. I met her family. That's her mom and her dad. And then we went to their home. And their home is just a block, concrete block, with nothing inside. But they had one decoration. They had one frame, one photo frame in there on their wall. And that's our wedding photo. <laughs> that's their only decoration. And it just shows how sponsors really impact the lives of the children. The second reason why we should love, we love because we are commanded to give love. In John 13, 34 to 35, it says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. I would like to make an emphasis on verse 35. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's what should set us apart as believers our love for each other, not only to our families, not only to our friends, not only to the people at church, but even to strangers and even to our enemies. Hepsi showed us how we should live our lives as disciples of Christ because she showed how much she loves those children by showing them the love the way, the best way she could by, by, by introducing them to the person that she thought could help, her, could help them. There are only two ways to make love a verb. It's either you receive them or you give them. And today, I invite all of you to give the love that you have received from Jesus to a child who needs it a lot. Please help release children from poverty in Jesus' name. May your Sunday be filled with love. Thank you for listening. God bless all of you. Is that good? Yeah. Thank you, Amor. And we want to be, we continue to pray for Amor and her family. Her husband is a pastor in Manoa um, at the Korean church. And they're expecting a little one, by the way, too. So we got to keep, keep them in our prayers. I want to pray really quickly. This is, a, this is a powerful prayer because the whole thing that she said about love as a verb is, is there's two ways to make love a verb, and that first one is by receiving love, right? Before we even give love, we have to understand that there's an action in us actually receiving love. Uh, just like all of those students, just like Hepsi, she had to first experience the love of Jesus Christ, that she was unwanted, she was an outsider, but she experienced that love of God. And then she couldn't help but do the other verb of love, and that's give love away. And so I want to pray because right now, this is, a, this is a great talk, a great testimony. It's not just about showing love to compassion, but to one another in this world around us. Like, I hope this planted something in your head that's like, you might already sponsor children or whatever, but you need to show that love. It's commanded in scripture and God already showed it for us and what we experience in that love and forgiveness, we can't help but give that stuff away. But some of us in the room today, this be, be real is maybe you've never experienced that love. And this is no slight, it's not a put down, it's just the fact that like, that's why we exist as a church is to let you know that there's a better life possible out there. That God is out there, he absolutely loves you. He created you for relationship with him. And maybe you haven't understood that up until this point. Maybe you've even read the Bible before, been to church before, you just never clicked. Maybe something that's happening here today, you're starting to get it. Like, wait, God actually loves you. I don't deserve it, 
God actually loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He can do a work in you and so you can begin to show love for other people. But the first step is always in love is being able to receive that love. And so I'm going to say a simple prayer here today for, for some of you in the room today. Maybe you're in the children's room out there or in the courtyard or watching online even. This is the service that we live stream. But maybe today is your day to say, you know what? I want to know what it's really like to be a Christian. At the church, those guys are cool, and God, that's a good idea and all of that, but it's time to make it real and to make it personal today. So I'm going to lead you in that prayer as we do in every service at Anchor Church because it's so important. That's what we're all about, getting people to Jesus. And if you get to the point today where you're ready to say yes to him and to receive all that he's done for you, watch out. Your life's going to be changed, and everything from here on out is now you owning that love and then loving other people. So this is the big one. If you'd like to pray this prayer with me, here's what we're going to do. In a minute, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. In a minute, we're all going to be praying, but I'm going to say a special prayer for some of you today that have never said yes to Jesus. You've never made a commitment, and you've never allowed God to fully 100% love you the way that he wants to. And I'm going to say a prayer with some of you. I'm going to pray the words out loud. You're not even going to have to pray them out loud. You're going to pray them in your heart. God judges us on our heart. After service, you can go in, as the word says, confess with your mouth. You can tell someone, hey, I prayed that prayer today. That person you tell, your friend, your family, someone invited you, they're going to be excited and happy for you, and they're going to show you how to walk forward in your Christian faith. But for right now, here's where it all really the rubber hits the road is you're going to make a decision to follow God in your heart, and I'm going to lead you in that prayer. So can everybody bow their heads and close their eyes right now? And if you're at a point where you're ready today to make that decision, to say yes to Jesus, to allow yourself to receive the love that he showed at the cross, this is the prayer that changes everything. It changes your eternity, I promise you. If you're ready to pray that prayer with me before I pray it out loud and you pray it in your heart, can you just let me know through one simple act, no one else is looking, can you raise your hand right now and just go, Pastor Carl, hey, I'm ready. I want to pray that prayer. I see one hand up already in the back. Come on, I see another hand right here. If God's putting this on your heart, good, just lift those hands. I see another hand over here. I just want you to know that you've been seen. I see you back there. This matters. This counts. Good, I see this hand right here as well. Anybody else? I'm just looking around. I see a hand over there. Praise God. I see another hand in the back. Unreal. If you're in the kids' room or even watching online or in the courtyard, somebody sees you. More importantly, God sees you right now. So for all those people that raise their hands, would you make this your prayer right now as I pray it out loud? Here we go. God, I'm coming to you this morning, Lord, and I want what you have to offer. Lord, I'm telling you that I'm ready to receive the love that you showed through Jesus, your son, on the cross 2,000 years ago, that you sent him. The number one reason you sent him was to prove how much you love us, that you'd be willing to sacrifice your own son. That's heavy, God. We don't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. But you did it because you loved us and you wanted to bring us into relationship with you. So God, I'm here today right now, Lord, and my heart is wide open to your message, to your, your healing, your forgiveness, what you showed on the cross. Lord, that you're going to forgive me of all the wrong I've ever done and ever will do until I see you face to face in heaven. So Lord, I believe that. And I receive that you didn't just die, but you conquered death by rising from the dead and showing us that you have power over all of that so that you could set us free, that we could be a new creation. So Lord, from here on out, as I live my life, I believe that message of salvation. I receive it, and I'm going to live it. Lord, as I get a Bible and start reading about you, as I go to church, get plugged into your family, Lord, as I get water baptized just to prove to the world that I'm a new creation, born again in you, and Lord, as I open my heart to receive the full power of your Holy Spirit in my life, to do the things that I can't do on my own. 
Lord, I can't change my habits and my decisions and my desires on my own, but I receive your Holy Spirit that's going to help me, that's going to give me freedom to, to walk forward into knowing you for eternity. So thank you, God, from this day forward for being my God, that you're going to begin a new work in my life. And Lord, that I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm a child of, of heaven, a child of the Most High, and I'm going to live for you and live with you in all of eternity. Thank you for being my God. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Let's praise God with those people real quick. Man, eternities were just changed right there. That's huge.